The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hey, welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. You're listening to episode one. I'm Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor and owner of 180 Counseling. 180 Counseling is a large group mental health practice with five locations in the Triangle area. We help people to turn their lives around daily. In these podcasts, we'll dive into many areas of mental health. I'm joined today by my colleague, Erica Smith a licensed clinical social worker. Hi, Erica. Hi, Sarah. It is great to be here today. I did not know this would be episode one. Yes, you are our shining star, our first podcast. Well, I am very excited to be here. So Erica, for those in our audience who may not know, what is an LCSW? So LCSW is the social work route to becoming a clinician. So LCSW stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. So I went to graduate school for social work. And then after that, I applied and worked toward a clinical license in mental health um, under the social work umbrella. And so what even led you to get into this field or this area of profession? Well, honestly, this is not at all what I wanted to be doing. In graduate school, the idea was to work around trauma and interpersonal violence. I was really interested in doing international work or potentially going into public health. And originally, I was working in nonprofits, and I decided to get my clinical license as a way to have a second stream of income. Um, I really enjoyed working with teenagers, and I figured that this was a great way to do it. And eventually I realized that I really enjoy the one-on-one component of working with people. And through a series of events, I was able to find 180 Counseling, and that was really when I decided, I was like, okay, so I can definitely work in this field. That's amazing. Well, I, for one, am so glad that you jumped into this field because I know you are an amazing therapist and um, you treat a lot of clients in the community and they are so much better for it. So thank you for joining this field. Um, So today, I guess we're gonna chat about emotions. Emotions are pretty much the basis of therapy, right? (laughs) Exploring and dealing with our emotions is the basis of therapy. We all have them, but what are emotions really and what purpose do they serve? Yeah, and this is a very common question I'm asked. So emotions, I like to discuss them as emotions are our body's natural alert system to internal and external experiences. Emotions let us know that something significant is happening in our world, whether it be at the biological level or the psychological level. Sometimes Emotions are alert system that we need to manage something in our world. So perhaps something isn't going well or there's been a boundary violation. And our emotions alert us that we potentially need to manage something. And it could be like a body response or it could be sort of a psychological response. Interesting. So we all have emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And emotions are normal. Emotions are healthy. Um, And a lot of times we only, you know, I talk to a lot of clients who really only have this idea that positive emotions, Mm. quote unquote positive emotions, are the only ones that are healthy versus recognizing that every single emotion that we have is actually a healthy emotion. It's all about what kind of behaviors are associated with those emotions and or have we learned healthy expressions of different emotions? Because even the emotion of happy can potentially have some negative 
behaviors associated with it. So I do a lot of work normalizing the full range of emotions and also supporting clients and recognizing that even quote unquote emotions that maybe we're uncomfortable with or emotions that we've potentially seen expressions that we we don't like, those emotions are healthy too. Um, And how can we normalize those? Because even those unhealthy expressions are alerting us to something, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, And so it's a lot of exploring. It's sort of what is that unhealthy emotion or what is that unhealthy behavior? What is that alerting us to? Yeah. I know. I hear all the time, too, in my own clinical work, people judge emotions. They say certain ones are bad, certain ones are negative. Mm -hmm. I should just feel happy all the time because that's the healthiest emotion. Mm -hmm. What, What do you think about that? And what do you think makes different people respond differently to similar experiences and similar emotions? Yeah. So we all experience different things in life. We were all raised differently. One example that I use, and I, I probably learned this, learned this in my CBT training, is I used to tell this story only with kids, but I also tell it to adults now. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a set of twins. They're raised by the same family. They're raised in the same house. They are raised essentially the same way. They share a room. They've always been in the same classes. But let's say one of the twins at some point is bitten by a dog. Mm-hmm. The other twin is not bitten by a dog. And they have a goal to get a dog one day. Well, one day these twins, their kids, let's say they're in the fifth grade, they're walking home from school and they see a stray dog. The stray dog has a tag, the stray dog's tail is wagging. Because these two kids have had different experiences with dogs, their bodies are going to give them different reactions to the same experience. Now, let's say potentially everything else in their environment has pretty much been the same. They're twins, they're identical twins, same parents, same upbringing. But that one shift in experience often leads to a different behavioral response, a different emotional response to a trigger. So, and this is true for anybody. So two people can go through the exact same thing on the exact same day, but because of their experiences, because of their understandings of of their own experience in life, uh, we'll often have different emotional responses to it. I have a terrible fear of caterpillars. I'm very aware that logically, yes. Caterpillars? Logically, I recognize that. Those fuzzy little things. I would rather be locked in a room with a snake than a caterpillar. And I logically am aware that this is ridiculous, but emotionally, I cannot tolerate caterpillars. Growing up, my grandmother was deathly afraid of worms, and I spent a lot of time with her. So this is very much a learned response, whereas my brothers, they also grew up a little bit later than I do, and they don't run away with fear whenever they see a caterpillar. And my childhood best friend would pick caterpillars up and I would go inside the house. So we all have different responses to things emotionally based on our experiences. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense based on our experiences. So going back to the the twins and the dog, Mm -hmm. I could see that maybe one of them was fearful and the other one felt joy or happiness Mm -hmm. seeing this furry little animal waving its tail. So their experience made their emotional response different. Yes. And neither emotion is wrong. Correct. Or bad. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I often hear the terms adaptive, unadaptive, or maladaptive. Mm -hmm. What do you, how do you think that kind of comes into play with emotions? Yeah. So I, I like to explore emotions with these words, adaptive versus maladaptive, instead of the word normal, Mm -hmm. because who's to say what normal is. However, sometimes an emotion is serving me well, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I haven't developed a healthy relationship with this emotion. So it's not serving me well. And so in that instance, 
the behavioral, the response, the relationship I have to the emotion is now maladaptive or it's not helping me, it's not serving me. It's not that the emotion itself isn't helpful, it's that I have to develop a different relationship with this emotion. For a long time, I used to say that I don't really get angry. That was always my, that was my thing. I was like, oh, I don't really get angry. But the reality is I didn't have a healthy relationship with the emotion of anger and I wasn't even really familiar with what happened to me when I was angry. Um, and it took some own, my own work to figure out and to learn, okay, so I do get angry, it just looks different. Um, usually my anger is expressed in bad traffic. Mm. And that's when I express anger. I'm not really angry at the traffic, but that's when it comes out. And so even recognizing like, how can we learn, okay, so this emotion is serving me well, or perhaps I haven't developed a healthy relationship with it and I haven't learned how to express this emotion in a really healthy way. So thinking about expressing emotions in a healthy way mm -hmm. or learning to create a different relationship with say anger, mm -hmm. as an example. What do you do in your therapy room, mm -hmm. your therapy space, to help clients learn how to have a different relationship with emotions or how to express it differently? Yeah, so I do a lot of exploration on someone's history with an emotion. Anger is a great one because anger, fury, rage are often emotions that people are most uncomfortable with, mm. usually because they've been exposed to it in a really unhealthy way. So perhaps it was violence, perhaps it was a lot of avoidance, perhaps it was a lot of isolation connected with anger. And so they now have this very unhealthy relationship with anger. And so one is learning about the history of it, learning about the history of someone's relationship with it, whether it was in their family, whether it was in their partnership, whatever. So once I have a better understanding of that, it's really important to connect that person's thoughts and feelings to that history with our emotion. And then also doing some exploration of what is the purpose of this emotion? Mm. So I often teach anger. Normally people experience anger. They're either unfamiliar with their feelings or their biological response or they're just very uncomfortable with it. Anger is often our body's alert system that there's been some type of boundary violation or some type of disrespect that's happened in our world. And it doesn't matter necessarily whether or not we feel we wanna explore this or not. The reality is this is our body's response to it. This is our psychological response to it. So it's really important to do some exploration of, okay, so what boundary was violated? How do we feel disrespected? How can we work to resolve this? And how can we develop a healthy expression of anger? Because a a lot of times we suppress that emotion instead of doing some work to express it in a healthy way. And so this might be through communication with you know whoever or whatever violation we that may have occurred. It could be through, you know, I am a very physical person with anger, so I like to go to a trampoline park back when that was a thing. Mm. <laughs> I don't like to run, but I will run if I'm very angry. Or usually I dance it out, that's my usual mode. I jam to some Taylor Swift and jump around, and then eventually I'm too tired to continue to be angry. <laughs> but that's my expression of anger. So we explore some really healthy ways to express anger, and then we also explore some ways that maybe have not been serving us well. So some people do have some, health, some unhealthy expressions of anger, and I let people decide what they they determine is unhealthy. So do you feel like you become disrespectful to other people? Do you become disrespectful to yourself? Some people might start to isolate themselves and I sort of do some education around that. I get very quiet when I'm angry because I need to take some space to figure out how to communicate, but then I communicate. So even recognizing, okay, so is this a temporary thing that you need to do to be able to express it in a healthy way? Or is this you shutting people off for the rest of your life? 
um, and how can we decide what are some really healthy expressions that are going to serve you well, that you're comfortable with, that makes sense for you. Not everyone wants to dance it out to Taylor Swift, and that's okay. So what is going to be your thing? What are some really healthy ways of expressing anger for you? Yeah, that all sounds very helpful. It, it makes me think, anger, I, I, I kind of see anger a lot of times as a secondary emotion. It might be an alert system alert to our system, right, about something else that's going on inside of our body and our mm -hmm. mind. And a lot of times I notice, even for myself, that if I feel angry, it's because I've failed to put a boundary down. Like if I feel anger or resentment towards someone mm -hmm. or a situation, then I probably failed to put a stronger boundary around that person mm -hmm. or myself in that uh, situation. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see it as a secondary emotion. There's usually some things underneath the anger. Mm -hmm. What do you see about what might be, or do you even agree with that, that mm -hmm. anger is a secondary emotion? Maybe you have a different perspective. And mm -hmm. what do you see underneath? Yeah, I, I do very much agree with that statement. I often see shame. I see mm -hmm. hurt. I see sadness. I see a lot of pain oftentimes. And those are a lot of or some of the emotions that can be associated with anger, there are a wide range more. There's sort of an iceberg analogy where we see anger as sort of the tip of the iceberg and there's all of these emotions underneath the surface that maybe we don't want to tap into because they're too painful or we might, I see shame sometimes mm. associated with anger. And so sometimes anger is the word that we can first identify before we do some more work on our own or with our therapist, sort of really get at the root is, okay, so what about the situation? What are other experiences? What are the other feelings connected to that experience? What are the boundaries that maybe we need to work on establishing so we don't repeat this cycle? Yeah, I mean, I think for most of us as humans, it's easier just to react in anger, you know, mm -hmm. scream at the car in front of us mm -hmm. for going too slow, mm -hmm. when in reality, maybe we are having some anxiety or panic that we might not get to a certain place on time. Mm -hmm. So maybe we're feeling nervous, really, mm -hmm. underneath the anger, or, you know, a whole different scenario it's easier to yell at a sibling mm -hmm. or hit a sibling you know I think about young kids mm -hmm. you know, it's easier to punch a sibling mm -hmm. because they stole my toy but what's really underneath is the loss of that toy mm -hmm. you know so helping kids and adults the same recognizing mm -hmm. what is really going on underneath the surface yeah I definitely had that moment in the Walmart parking lot on the way here. Oh, do tell. You know, I was <laughs> I was getting some things and then I was looking at the time and then I was about to back out and this lady next to me opens her car door, but she doesn't get out of the car. She just opens her car door and then she sits there and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at her and then I felt myself getting angry because I said, I'm not going to be late. I have to be there by 1230. I'm going to be on time. I planned my whole day to be on time. This was like she was in her car for just about two minutes with her. And I just felt all these feelings. And the first feeling I could identify was anger before really I was anxious about recording a podcast. I was anxious about not being on time. I was anxious that I was going to be speeding here, which is not safe. I don't speed. Yes, I do. But I try not to. So, yeah, that's a great example. And I definitely experienced that about 15 minutes ago. So, Well, thank you for sharing your experience. Anytime. You're listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Coates. So what is the difference between an emotion or feelings and an actual mental health diagnosis of the same name? Yes. And I am seeing this a lot, especially with my younger clients teenagers, college students, elementary school kids, they will come in and they will say, I've got depression. And I say, okay, let's tell me more about this. And really what 
is sometimes happening is we feel the emotion of depression and because we're unfamiliar with it or we haven't recognized the feeling of depression as a normal emotion that people experience, we suddenly jump to, I have a diagnosis of depression. Depression is a diagnosis, it is a disease that people do have, but there's also the emotion of depression, which is normal and we all experience from time to time. And so it is really important to do some education around the difference between I have the emotion of depression sometimes and that's okay because I only have it ever so often when there's really big things happening in my life versus I have the emotion of depression most of the time every day. I hear the same thing with anxiety. Mm. I hear the same thing with anger. I hear so there are a lot of emotions that people have that because we haven't developed healthy relationships and we don't recognize that all of our emotions are normal, all of our emotions serve a purpose, all of our emotions are part of the life experience. Sometimes when people feel that emotion, they jump to, I must be depressed, I feel depressed, so now I have major depressive disorder. And so it's really important to do some work and some education around, all right, let's explore this, let's normalize this, versus there are people who do struggle with this emotion, that is their main emotion most of the time every day. And that really is the big difference. And it's it's really okay and it's normal to feel the feeling of depression. I mean, I think 2020 has been a great example of people right. feeling more instances of, of depression or even sometimes feeling it more regularly for the first time or feeling anxious about what's just the world, pick a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And so normalizing that emotion and recognizing, okay, so we're feeling this feeling of anxiety because there's a lot of uncertainty in the world and that's often the feeling connected with uncertainty. So how can we express this emotion in a healthy way? How can we focus on some things that we know are true and that can help reduce some of the feelings? And you know, I think it's always a great idea to talk to a therapist, but it's okay if that therapist does not diagnose you with anxiety or major depressive disorder because you're having normal emotions to things that are happening in your world. So when could your emotions or your behavioral responses to the emotions lead you or lead someone to seek therapy or seek out therapy for a loved one in their family? So while emotions are very normal responses to our world, sometimes people experience this sensation of their emotion beginning to control them or their emotions feeling out of control. So they're feeling certain things almost all of the time and or that feeling doesn't necessarily match the trigger. So what I mean by this is if we are suddenly becoming irate over very small triggers. So I tend to teach the feeling of anger on a scale. So you probably walk into a doctor's office and they say on a scale of one to 10, tell me about your pain. We can do the same thing with an emotion on a scale of one to 10. How angry are you? So one is the least angry you could be, but there's still a hint of anger. And 10 is the most angry that you can be. And so, for example, with my Walmart incident, Walmart parking lot incident, had I gotten to a 10 of anger in that incident, that may have been a little concerning because in my life, have I ever experienced a 10 of anger? Yes, but it was over some pretty big moments in my life or some pretty large instances. Whereas the Walmart parking lot was probably like a two or three. Mm -hmm. It was inconvenient, but I didn't jump out of my car. I didn't start saying all sorts of things. I was just tapping my foot ready to go as soon as she was ready for me to go. Um, And so when we start to feel as if the trigger 
is not appropriate for the response that we have, that's a great time to seek support. If we start to feel as if our emotions are controlling us, or if we realize that we're having one emotion pretty much all the time without experiencing other emotions. So if we realize we're feeling sad pretty much all the time and we don't feel other emotions. Another great thing is when people come in and they say, I don't feel anything. That's a very an, another common thing. So they'll say that I'm feeling numb or I don't experience any other types of emotions. That's a great time to seek support. And sometimes you'll notice this in your loved ones or your friends or your support networks before they might notice it themselves because you'll see them smile less, you'll see them start to disengage, you'll see them start to withdraw, or you'll notice their their affect or their usual emotional responses just aren't happening. Um, we might call that flat affect. Um, and so those are some really great times to be really intentional about seeking support. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, noticing those around you, you mentioned flat affect mm-hmm. or people who are reacting in a numb kind of way mm-hmm. to situations. Or, you know, I'm thinking about family members during this time who might seem sadder than sad, you know, or, or sad on a more regular basis. I mean, certainly there's, in 2020, there's so much difficulty going on right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, definitely the people reaching out, at least within our practice, mm-hmm. are the ones who are feeling a certain emotion most of the time, yeah. like you were mentioning. Yeah. Well, Erica, this has been a really wonderful discussion. Very thought-provoking, I think very helpful for those in our community to recognize that, A, emotions are normal. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as good or bad emotions. Mm-hmm. It's just, are these emotions serving you well mm-hmm. in an adaptive way mm-hmm. or not serving you well in mm-hmm. a maladaptive way? Yeah. Kind of summarizes a little bit about what you were saying, I think. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think the other thing, the last point, is to be very careful not to judge your emotions or the emotions of the people around you. Because a lot of times if we feel anger, if we feel sad about something, sometimes we are quick to judge ourselves, Mm. which then leads to us suppressing an emotion versus just recognizing this is a normal response to something. I get to feel sad, I get to feel frustrated because emotions are normal, emotions are healthy, emotions are okay. And if you're really struggling with how to process through that emotion, call us at 180 Counseling. We've got some great therapists here that we can connect you with. You have been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. If you wish to go deeper in this conversation with Erica, you can find her on our website at www.1-80counseling.com. She's located in our Cary, North Carolina office, and she can also offer telehealth appointment. Thanks so much, Erica. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.